Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at the Eisner-nominated MultiversityComics.com. Every week we take about 15 minutes to check out books hitting the shelves on Wednesday that we're most looking forward to. We also have long-form discussions about books we're excited for, both old and new. These episodes have included works like Jaime Hernandez's Love Bunglers and Katsuhiro Otomo's epic Akira. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the people we've had on the show have been Tom Scioli, Paul Pope, Leila Del Duca, and John Workman. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow on iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comics-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. All right, all right, all right, all right. Are you guys ready for some ink stuff? 
My sole purpose is to come out and remind you that you are indeed here at the Meltdown LA portion of the Ink, Stu Ink Studs Tour. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to welcome all of our Ink Studs and hosts Brandon Graham and Rob McConnell. I guess I should be talking into this. I feel weird because it's a small room, but we're using mics. <laughs> um, I guess I should introduce the folks coming in. I thought the other guy was doing it, so I'll do it. Um, I don't know who wants to come sit where. I feel like I'm telling them where they have to sit. Uh, I guess we'll welcome Brian Lee O'Malley from Scott Pilgrim in second. <laughs> And we have uh, Jaime Hernandez from Love and Rockets. <laughs> and uh, Tom Herpick from Adventure Time and White Clay and Cusp and Guanadong. <laughs> and last but not least, Pendleton Ward from Adventure Time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Um, as you know, this is the Ink Studs road trip. Uh, Brandon and I have been traveling down the coast in a rickety little car packed with four big dudes, and it's been uh, a lot of fun so far. And this is our, uh, our first major stop on a worldwide this excursion. Talking to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> That's really not going to help the recorded stuff. Um, so kind of the idea was to kind of bring together a bunch of cartoonists I really like. And so thankfully, uh, these folks all said yes. Thanks, dudes. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, dudes. <laughs> Feel free to move the mic for however you like it. Move your chairs. It looks different from here. Move someone else's mic. No. Where do they put those lights in? <laughs> I'm, I'm mesmerized. <laughs> They're very bright. Um, so it's kind of like... I had a, I was thinking of questions and it was kind of weird to come up with questions for this because normally when I do ink studs, it's me and just one other person or lately it's been me and Brandon asking a bunch of stuff. Um, so I hope these aren't too general and vague questions. If they are, tough shit. Um, I guess since we're in a comic store, I'm gonna start with something uh, pretty simple. Uh, when you guys go to a comic store, what are you looking for? As an example, me and Brandon both love to look for the junk bins. Go handheld. Hey, hello, <laughs> Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, we went here and they had a dollar bin in the front or something, and I, I just went through, I dug through everything so I could find two copies of Brother Man and an ElfQuest book. <laughs> you're, you're a crate digger. Yeah, that's, that's your that's philosophy. my entire thing. And it's like I, I had like $300 in my pocket, and I was just like, oh, the dollar section. And it's not that I'm a cheap, horrible person. It's that. So you spent $2. I think they gave me a deal. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's where the weird stuff is. Right. Uh, do, do you guys, I, I, I think it's probably a loaded question because I imagine a lot of you don't regularly shop at comic stores. 
I go every Wednesday. It's <laughs> a lies that hurt. <laughs> I don't buy everything, but right. <laughs> do you do you have a comic store you go to? Yeah, and I I live near Pasadena, so I go to the local. Nice, and I mentioned Penn. Exciting. <laughs> you're so you're so involved in the indie comic scene and kind of like Adventure Time. You're the people you work with are usually start off as indie cartoonists, then you sweep down and pull them from their grandparents' basement and and onto a real job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how you describe it. Uh, what? Thanks, man. <laughs> what are you looking for when you go shopping for comics? I I <clears throat> I go for the I just look for minis and I look for um, stuff with staples, um, which is dumb. I get but I get intimidated by the hard hardbound books, and so I like uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, go. yeah, go ahead, Tom. <laughs> Uh, I'm always looking for something real specific, and I get in and I get out, and that's it. And I don't go back for for months and months. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Real specific, but vague on what you mean. Like every time, it's like I know what I want. You're like ninja right. shopping. Yeah. You go in and you're like cave woman or nothing, and then you just grab it and leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. You have like a quest. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I just go in and look. I wander around. Do you just? I mean, I assume you read a lot of manga, right, Mel? Yeah, I read manga. I read indie comics. I read mini. I just like whatever looks cool. Like I, I don't really shop at Secret Headquarters, um, and they just have their stuff laid out in a way that's very intuitive to just kind of wander and let your eyes absorb stuff. So I just like just get like a stack of stuff, or whatever, just random shit. Some superhero comics, some manga, some weird indie shit, some weird, right? Whatever, anything. I like it. I like it all, if it's good. <laughs> Are there like Jaime? Are there any artists that you follow currently? Like, or if there's a superhero, like you, do you know? All right, do you, I'll make it. I'll make it easier. Do you know like Jose Luis Garcia Lopez's work? He's not new. Right? No, no, but like <laughs> current working artists. Because I was thinking they did just reprinted his Cinder and Ash book, which I think is awesome. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I've been reading him since I was a teenager. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, like I, um, the stuff I mostly get at a comic store is usually like uh, reprints of pre-code horror or something, you know, because that was wacky, they were wackier than, um, you know, or an old uh, a Dick Tracy collection because they're in the 50s right now when, when Chester Gould just went crazy, you know. Uh, and and like, like Brian, I, I really just, go into the store a lot and just look at everything and just see what looks good, you know. I hate to say it, so a lot of comics you, you look at and you go, this looks interesting, and then the inside's not drawn by the same person. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, just li I just like to do it, you know. I mean, I guess it's in my blood or something. I just go to, like going to comic stores, even if most of the time I leave with nothing, you know. I just like that experience and and I don't even, I'm past the point where leaving the store carrying a dumb comic book, I don't hide it from anybody, right. you know, like used to. Yeah. That, that's something that I think is interesting that's changing in, in comics, and I think that's The shame? Yeah, the shame is leaving. <laughs> and, no, but it's, it's gone away a lot. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the, the four of you are very, 
Like none of you are doing work for. We're not shame cartoonists. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, well. <laughs> I'm a shame cartoonist. I should speak for all of us. You, but you take you like you take the sh- you take Dungeons and Dragons and make it something that that is intellectual and interesting and that every like the people are so quick to jump that they love Adventure Time, like. People will be like, oh, cartoons, and they'll be like, Adventure Time, like, oh, yeah, no, I watch every episode, and I have it tattooed all over my skin. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting, because I, I wonder if for each of you if that was a thing where you had to, you had to, to take ownership over it and, uh, and have it be something that you were proud of. Because it is, as a cartoonist, it's your identity, and you don't want to hide your identity. Thomas. <laughs> it, it was my identity, and it, it's shifting now. I'm an animation dude now. I have left you all behind. <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, less to be ashamed of. You don't have to fight the, the shame. <laughs> it's like a real job, man. It's, uh, <laughs> but I was never too ashamed. It's. Uh, Mom is proud of you now. Yeah, no, no, it's, yes. <laughs> yeah, you have a real job now. I have a real job now. Yeah. And, uh, How's your boss? Hey, he's great. <laughs> he said, how's my boss? <laughs> good. Yeah, no, I just like, I put all the nerdy stuff I was ashamed of into a comic, and then everyone liked it, so I was like, oh, I guess it, I guess it wasn't that bad. Um, I think the first, one of the first things I said when I ran into you today was like, so your new book, do you, do you got stuff people can cosplay in that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I tried. <laughs> Jaime, have you ever had any uh, Love and Rockets cosplaying? Once. No, 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 no. Uh, one time I signed at Fat Jack's in uh, Philadelphia, and they had a Maggie and Hopi look-alike contest without telling us. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, but it was very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, does that count? I, I, I'll go with it, yeah. It wasn't called cosplay then, that's why I'm asking. I've actually Googled Love and Rockets cosplay several times. <laughs> and? and? Yeah, I couldn't find it, it was super disappointing. Uh, <laughs> just some really good ElfQuest. <laughs> it's always gonna come back to ElfQuest with you, doesn't it, Brandon? Um, when you, what was it like the first time you saw like your finished work out there, kind of in a huge public domain for you? Um, and kind of having that completion? Was it gratification? Was it happiness? Was there some kind of thoughts that went with it? I was stoked. Yeah. yeah um, you know, for a long time, people would ask me, you know, uh, so you do Love and Rockets. You know, you're getting noticed there. You know, so you're getting your foot in the door to work for somebody. <laughs> and I never saw it that way. I, I, I when we did our very first self-published issue and we put one together and we stapled it and just put it up there and looked at it, um, I, I arrived. I mean, I thought, this is it. This is, everything else is something else, but this was my, my thing. And so, you know, it was a good feeling, but, you know, it wasn't a stepping stone, you know what I mean? Were you, did you start out doing, you started out doing uh, fan art and zines, right? In, in and like comics reporter and things like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gilbert and I were sending uh, to the comics buyer's guide. Right. And, 
in uh, the comics journal and stuff, you know, just drawings of Marvel characters and stuff. A story that I like a lot that I was bugging you about earlier is um, you did uh, fan art of just, it's a bunch of old grizzled Batmans missing teeth in the background. <laughs> And you have a character that looks kind of like like Maggie in the foreground, dressed as Robin, saying, "Don't you think Robin should be a girl?" And all the Batman's are saying, "Woo, yeah!" <laughs> and and the story goes that Frank Miller saw that, and that's kind of where he got the idea for making the the female Robin in Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he admitted to it later, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I was thinking something interesting about all of you is that, like you're like like Hamer was saying, is the um, it's not a, it's not a foot in the door to, to bigger things and, and you're all doing the final work. Even even Mal like getting a movie done and rather than going into movies your new comic's about to come out. True. <laughs> I just want affirmation, these aren't questions. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I didn't you know, I've I've done like a little bit of stuff for Marvel or whatever, but like not it's not really my goal. Maybe like it was my goal when I was like eleven. But um I just, I have other things I want to explore, I guess. And it's like, I could do that with superhero characters if I was super obsessed with them, but um, I'm just super obsessed with myself. If, you, if each of you had like a fan comic you could do, just any character, what would it be? Oh, stop. No, uh, come on. He was talking about Cyberforce earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Cyberforce, yeah. It's always like X-Men, and then Cyberforce is an is a sh offshoot of that because it's by Mark Silvestri, my favorite X-Men artist. I wouldn't actually do it, but I have, I have like had ideas and like feverishly typed them out and like emailed them to my friends who work at Marvel and been like, "Don't show this to anyone at Marvel." <laughs> yeah. And they're like, you, "You already showed it to someone at Marvel." <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, go ahead. Oh, me? Go ahead. Um, Whoever wants. Yeah, I mean, when I was. A kid yeah like you know boy if I if they let me have Wonder Woman I'd do the best Wonder Woman just draw my own you know yeah I, it, I don't I don't I don't I lost that long ago you know the, oh you could save Wonder Woman though <laughs> <laughs> or for, do for what like, what's that save her for what to, to make action figures of them print on underpants obviously <laughs> don't you be allowed any respect for art <laughs> Tom I was gonna take it back actually to the last question because I thought of something yeah. But my work, it wasn't intended to be a stepping stone, but it, in a way, functioned as one because it's not, I don't make a living from my comics. Oh, right. uh, they, they weren't intended to make any money, and they never did. <laughs> but they did get sort of lead to something. You know, they didn't, uh, weren't created to lead to something, but they did sort right. of lead to something. Well, something we were talking about that's really interesting about you is, um, I always, I always call you a Patrick McEwen, which people probably don't know because he's just like you, which is like one of the, one of the uh, creators who I think of as the most impressive and like, you know, past the ceiling of, you know, you're, you're one of the, you know, I love you, Tom. <laughs> and you're one, of, you're, just, you're one of the people doing the best cartooning and best storytelling out there. Thanks. And people don't know who you are. And meanwhile, you're pumping your ideas into children's brains through Adventure Time. And you put out like your cusp and Gonwanadon and white clay and everything. And they sell probably like 3,000 or something. I, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> but but you're, you're also like coming up with these quotes that people are memorizing. And I don't know, it's, it's, you've got the best of both in being this total covert uh, <laughs> artist without having to deal with the, the harsh, cruel world that Penn has to. But are you happy? <laughs> 
what Tom was saying when we were hanging out with him because I was asking about what comics you're you're into doing now, and you're like, I get so much emo. You're telling me you get so much emotional fulfillment from just working on Adventure Time. Is it true? Yeah. Um, but I may be reaching the uh, the ceiling, and maybe I have to go the, the direction that Penn went and be a, a grown up eventually. And uh, <laughs> you guys should, <laughs> in a way, in a certain sense, hmm. you are grown up. <laughs> what? You do have a beard. <laughs> in that you you like joined the uh, the real fray and like. Uh, <laughs> there's, no, there's no buffer between you and the uh, the like corporate side the way there is for me. I can't. <clears throat> when you said buffer, I imagine like a like a vibrating thing of energy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking. Think about. of it. <laughs> well, think of it like this. Uh, there's no insulation between. Uh, you and the uh, <laughs> pink panther, pink foam. Uh, Adam Mudo, was that the buffer? Maybe now. There didn't used to be. You you paid your dues already. Now you get to have a buffer again. I feel <laughs> well. You know, I don't want to speak for you too much, but I feel insulated from the like compromises of the the business side. And, uh, and I, from where I'm sitting, you are, are not as, as much. I don't have to talk to anybody if I don't want to. Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> Did you at one point have to? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, that was a bummer. Right. <laughs> and, that's, and that's what I've been trying to avoid in a, to, to a degree. But maybe I can't forever. You, oh, all right. <laughs> you, you think I can forever? Are you going to pitch a show? Maybe. Yeah, sort of. You guys should quit the comics. Is this how it works? <laughs> yeah. You guys want just... Actually, me and Tom had the cushiest job ever where we both worked for Spumco shortly. And I saw you, you like, tweeted about that, and I was like, man, that, we didn't get paid anything. I, who cares? <laughs> it wasn't a job. That doesn't sound cushy. <laughs> it was, Not it getting was, paid. It was a thing that I did that... that I wouldn't have done if someone didn't tell me to. That's usually a job. <laughs> you said it was the cushiest job ever. Yeah, that's you're selling it. You're overselling it a little bit. I went over to Tom's house and I would sit on his couch. And sometimes he had a very pretty roommate. And sometimes he'd exercise. <laughs> <laughs> Beth. Yeah, yeah. You don't still know her, do you? Because she uh, shouldn't watch this. <laughs> we keep in touch once in a while. This never happened. It's Phil. Phil knows Beth. <laughs> Don't bring Phil into this. Too late. <laughs> oh, Penn, you never jumped into the uh, what your fan fiction would be. Ziggy. <laughs> what, what would you do with Ziggy? Spin on his nose or fart out of his nose, maybe. <laughs> Can, can I'm, we ser make I'm serious. <laughs> can, can we make this happen? We're all picturing it right now. Yeah. Let's take a moment and imagine Ziggy farting out of his nose. Yeah. Would he have normal nostrils or would they be anuses? You don't think he has nostrils, man. <laughs> How is right? air going to escape? He doesn't him? have them. That's right. No. That's a, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay. Give me some paper. <laughs> <laughs> This is important. <laughs> you want to do a Ziggy uh, jam? Yeah. 
yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, what kind of music inspires you these days um, when you're working on your creative work, what it may be? <laughs> you, don't all do, you don't all do comics. Don't give me that look, Brian. Because Mal, Brian, whatever the people are calling you these days, mm-hmm. you, you make music as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, no, but the comics is so many different processes that like only some of them are applicable to listening to music, mostly inking, because inking takes forever. Um, oh my God, my my drawing assistant on my last book is in the audience, and, and we listened to a lot of Final Fantasy soundtracks <laughs> while we were drawing that book. Um, um, I listened to a lot of hip hop, um, but Jason was not so into that, so we listened to a lot of Compromise with Final Fantasy soundtracks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It felt, it felt, uh, it felt like I was twelve, so that was good. You know that Legend of Zelda rap? No. It's like an Onyx style. Oh, actually, this is while we were working on the book. I tweeted that I wanted to hear Drake rapping over the Secret of Mana soundtrack, and someone made a mashup for me and tweeted at me like half an hour later, and like we were listening to it for like weeks, it was so good. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's reality for me. Because Jaime, your work, especially your early work, <laughs> was, very, was very music influenced. You always had punk shows, and, and uh, I, I specifically remember asking Robin if Ape Sex was a real band. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It was me and my brother and a friend, and we just would turn on the recorder and then just start playing. Nice. What did and What did you play in it? Drums, and uh, you know it was just fun. But I liked the title, the band, the band yeah. name, so Good. I stole it for a uh-huh. comic. You know. Was Gilbert in the band as well? No, not that one. Okay. No, uh, that was just you know us in the living room and turn on the recorder. Okay. This will be a fast one, you know. Mm-hmm. And you used to do a ton of posters for, for the punk scene in L.A. too, right? Yeah, I used to do flyers um, for the local bands, and people would see them and go, go, wow, you did a flyer for, for Social Distortion. Wow, you did. And I go, no, 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 look at the 10th build band. That's the band I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did it for. <laughs> yeah, you, had, you did one flyer that I always relate to comic books, and it, it's one that just shows different... Uh, there's like a there's like a skinhead guy and a ska person. It's just a bunch of different people from different scenes, and it says on it, if the scene sucks, it's because you suck. Oh yeah, that actually that was my uh, my brother was tired of of going to shows and people fighting and stuff like that. So he he wanted to make this public service announcement, and he just had me draw it. And I misspelled a word in it. But, you know. <laughs> I've thrown that around so much. Tom, you enjoyed the band Air, I remember. What? Is it, <laughs> Air Supply. Is it Air Supply? <laughs> that was Beth's computer, I think. That was that was her <laughs> iTunes. I remember I remember going over to your place and 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 there was that um, there was the Jada Kiss, Fat Joe, and um, and Jaw Rule song that came out, and I was like, it was it was hurting my brain because I was like, I think is this Jaw Rule song bad or is it so bad that it's good and and you just looked at me coldly and you're like, maybe it's just a good Jaw Rule song. <laughs> what do you think about it? The New York song. N- now. I, it's wait. amazing. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember it at all. 
I got a hundred guns, a hundred clips. It's a banging track. <laughs> That's a Karis one ripoff too. But there's a lot of music in Adventure Time, and like like you wrote one of the songs for the the Lemon Hope episode, right? That's right. Uh, I recorded a demo for it, and the I was in the the. The if you're not recording, but you're sitting outside the room where they are recording. The booth? <laughs> yeah, the booth. The booth. I was in the Maybe. booth, and they played my demo for the actress, the Princess Bubblegum actress, and she was making fun of it because it was so tuneless and, and horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so and she didn't fired, know, and there's a new voice on Princess Bubblegum. No, now? it was it was uh, deserved. Is that something you feel obligated to? Because like like I'm boarding an episode now, and I actually had that feeling of like, oh shit, I have to write a song. No, I only do it when it feels appropriate. Okay. Although you do make extra money if you put a song in your episode. <laughs> F- FYI. Right. Well, was this something that, the pen, was this something that you started on the show? Kind of songs? Or just having boarders write songs and be voice actors and all these bizarre I, things. I tried to, I thought it was going to be script driven at first because I wanted to control everything. Uh, but I had never written a script before. I'd only worked on storyboard driven shows. As a, as a storyboard artist myself. And then when I started to write my first script, the first thing I wrote was Finn and Jake make funny faces at each other. <laughs> and it was like, this isn't funny. This isn't, I can't show this to someone and show that it's funny. I have to draw it to show the funny faces that they're making to show why it's fun, to make it funny. And I was like, I can't do scripts. I can't do script driven. Um, and then I had to scramble and, and, and find a, Cool, cool people that could draw and write, which is tough. It's tough. <laughs> I love the board direction I got because it was just like Jake is having a surreal dream, and you're like, awesome. That could be anything. Yeah. It can, <laughs> it can be. Yeah, it can be. Uh, yeah, and the tests are, man, what a rough thing. That stinks. Because uh, not only do you, like it's 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 my show. So the test is really like you have to meet one guy's sensibilities, which sucks. What a bummer. You, you, have, <laughs> you have that thing on there that's like, say a funny joke, and then the next thing is make it funnier. And that is daunting. Yeah. I, I just pasted in a picture of Dom DeLuise's face in one of them. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's what I would do, because that's what I would do on Flapjack was, um, that was my favorite note, was make it funnier. I love that note because I was like, well, I tried to make it as funny as I could the first time. Well, uh, <laughs> I'll try something different. I'll try it better. And then you just scrap it. And then, you know, most of the time I would come up with something that I thought works even better. And it was just chance. I don't know. I like that note a lot when I was working on Flapjack, which is another cartoon. Is it just that it pushes you? Uh, I don't know. I think I just like trying. I like trying to make stuff better. I love the. the I only. F- <coughs> sorry. I will finish my thought. Yeah. Uh, the, I only, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't feel good about the stuff I make. I always see the stuff that's wrong with it. So that's why I like <clears throat> trying to make it better and having the time to make it better. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, like, I thought that was going to go somewhere. I, I have two. I was just going to derail it with a million Adventure Time questions. I love that you do voices, the, the uh, Lumpy Space Princess and stuff like that. Was that something that you got into because you were doing your own animation before that? No. 
Brian, why don't you finish that fourth panel, man? But I thought you wanted to draw him farting out his nose. I, I can't draw that. That's for you. You're the fourth. Oh, my God. <laughs> leave, leave some room for me on there. I've got to draw some farting. There's, there's only one panel left. So you should finish it. Brian, boo. Can, you, can we boo Brian for not doing the panel? Come on. Come on. Yeah. Sorry to shame you, The me, fourth panel's the worst in a jam. first time you got booed? <laughs> First time ever? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. It didn't feel that was bad. Fake. <laughs> it was fine. There wasn't enough shame in there? Great. Um, how much does your personal life inform your work that you create? And what are some good examples? Wow, rude. Um, how much? 100%. I don't know. I couldn't, if I didn't have a personal life, what would I write about? I, I don't even know how to answer that question. It's like, all, all my work is so completely tied into whatever I am and what I'm doing and what I'm going through. So um, even if it's not obvious in the finished product, it's like, it's all going in. Even if it's not obvious to me, it's like subconsciously going in. Is it cathartic in a way? No. <laughs> no, like I used to be like, oh, it's like therapy. But like now I actually go to therapy. I'm like, no, it's not actually like therapy. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the opposite of therapy. <laughs> it's like a huge waste of time. Um, but no, it's like, it's good in its own way. It's like, it's like analyzing your dreams or something. It's just like, it's some new way of looking at the world, which is, that's, that's like all I seek to do really is look at the world in new ways. How about you, Jaime? Um, is it... What, my personal life? and How does it inform your work that you do? Uh, it's everything, because the, the, the comic and my life and, and drawing it, writing it, uh, uh, and living my life, walking down the street, going to the store or something, it's all the same thing, you know? It's all, uh, it's, it all belongs, you know? Uh, the good and the bad, you know? And, and uh, I, it's hard for me to separate it, you know? And, uh, can you think of any particular examples that were especially connected or profound? Um, not off the top of my head, but, but I can tell you that um, when I do those Maggie, long Maggie stories that get really caught up emotionally, it's because it just comes out. You know, it just turns out that way. Her, her character uh, writes, her, writes itself, and she, she kind of takes over. Takes over. It's kind of like I didn't plan it to go that way, but it kind of works out that way. And uh, sometimes I have to be the 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 Jaime police, and I have to come in and actually go. Is this necessary? You know, should this go in this comic now? Sometimes not. And then sometimes I go, fuck it. I just I'll just you know turn the amps up to 11 and say, and see how it goes, you know? So, yeah, it's hard to separate from me. It's, it's, it's very personal. Tom? Yeah, my, uh, my comics are beyond personal to the point where they're not about my life, but just about my own uh, brain. <laughs> um, what about with Adventure Time? Adventure Time is more you can pull in more like anecdotes and sort of like actual events where the comics are more uh, uh, abstract. 
Is there anything from a particular episode? I did think of uh, uh, something that I put into an upcoming episode uh, where my landlord told me that after I poop, I should flush before I wipe <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then wipe and then flush again so that the pipes don't get clogged. Uh, what are you using for toilet paper? <laughs> They're weak, weak pipes, I guess. Uh, How does he know that you're not doing that already? <laughs> it, well, it sounds like a gross, w weird thing for him to ask of me, but what happens is, or what used to happen, is that this, like, valve thing in the courtyard of his house would overflow with, you know, sewage. <laughs> and so I, I uh, understood why he would make a request like that of me. Not that it was all my fault or anything, but I, would, I was glad... <laughs> I was glad to help out in any way I could. Pen? <laughs> uh, it's all the same answer. It's like... Um, what about the examples? <laughs> you, you, do you also have plumbing issues that your landlord... Um, no. The, did, he t did Tom, did he... Tell you that, like on the way into your apartment, <laughs> or did he knock? <laughs> was he was waiting in your bedroom? <laughs> I think I was probably on my way to work in the morning and said, "Hey, how's it going?" And he said, "Oh, hey, let me." Uh, <laughs> Not so good. One thing. <laughs> he's a real nice guy. I like him. He's, he's all right. <laughs> Dodge. <laughs> Just gonna stare at you. Uh, uh, you have to mine your life for um, con content for your your work, your art. It just happens naturally. You're trying to create something with substance, and you look to yourself because that's all that we really know is our is our own. It's definitely all all I know. That's all anyone knows. We're not we're not the Borg. <laughs> we only know our own minds. <laughs> <laughs> you hit that one straight on. <laughs> look, look what Brandon did. He dub he doubled the comic. Looks nice. You have no excuses no, now. To draw more. <laughs> um, what are some things outside of comics? And I mean, we talked about your personal life, but maybe other things that inform what you do, like literature, movies, board games. Um, m movies are a big. Uh, were as big as uh, influence as comics for my comics. Uh, um, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, famous stories of literature. I saw the movies and not read the book. You know, so you know that'll tell you something about me. Yeah. <laughs> I used to work at a bar, and um, you know, drunk people want to have big debates, and I would. Um, get into all these literary debates and I'd only read the comic book adaptions. So I remember I'd had so many debates about Moby Dick and I just knew it because the Will Eisner and I think it was in Bone too. It's, it's such a great scam. The problem with it, with like the movie adaptions, I guess, like, like Mal, you get a thing where people quote your stuff to you, but they get quotes that were from your movie and not oh, from yeah, your comic. Oh yeah, quotes that are from the movie. Or they're like, they don't like some of the content of the movie and they're like, I hated when Brian Lee O'Malley did that in the comic book. But it was only in the movie. Um, but but whatever. Um, what was what were we talking about? I was drawing. My brain was only half on. <laughs> I still haven't seen your movie. So I had I had an art student get super wow. mad at me. Get out. I know. No, because like 
I, I was I was doing this thing with a with a comic student, and he had the poster in the back, and he was like, "Have you seen that?" And I was like, "No, I read the comics." And he was really mad at me, and I was just like, oh, "Mal didn't they're, draw." They're different them. things. I've heard I've heard it's really good. It's pretty good. <laughs> you should check it out. I'll, I'll, I will see it. In a, I, I have a copy if, at Robin's house. Oh yeah, really? <laughs> oh, that's right. I remember you telling me that story. Yeah. Someone gave you the DVD and you just handed it over to him like right away. I have like <laughs> I have like doubles of the comics if that makes sense. Doubles. Yeah, I have the old thing you and Locke did. Um, uh, what was that one called? You you and our mutual friend who's gone missing, Locke, mm-hmm. who did this fantastic website called Damaged years ago, did this great comic today that was just a series of escalating horrible events. Oh, the Jam comic we did. Yeah. Yeah. What was that called again? Upper Pond Visit. Yeah, where there's a scene where a woman gives birth to twins mid-air. I didn't, I didn't write this comic. I only inked it. Well, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it gives birth to tw- a woman gives birth to twins mid-air, and a bus hits both twins with the front wheels and spins out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty dark. Yeah. <laughs> what about it? You have, you have. <laughs> Wait, you have it. You have the originals. No, no, I have. I, I, I printed out copies of it. Oh, you print long. out from the internet? Yeah, no, I'll be selling. That's it. really cute. Yeah. <laughs> Are you one of those guys that like prints out his emails? No, no. <laughs> well, it doesn't. Save exist the online. trees, Brandon. It doesn't exist online anymore, so I had to. And I have a much. I have a, a large folder of Tom's work that that he'd murder me if he knew I had. No one tell him. <laughs> we'd go out to eat, and I'd just grab scraps off the table. It's mine. That's cool. Um, the same question to you, Tom, as you're about to start drawing. What's the question again? Uh, work outside of uh, comics um, that's in, and your personal life that informs what you do. Oh. Well, I read a lot and I watch a lot of movies, but when I'm working on Adventure Time, I, all I wanted to be is as good as The Simpsons from season four to eight-ish. <laughs> uh, that's like the, the Michael Jordan or, or whatever that I... Like a <laughs> aspire to. Tom, what's that comic you did about? Was it Michael Jordan or Shaq, where you did a comic book in one of your? I was just on your website, I think. That was Shaq. <laughs> what's the question? Because that was another. <laughs> that was just another really personal work that you did that was cool. That was talking about how uh, it, it it was like a small drawing of of you or a child or something. It was it was me and I was facing Shaq and the, then the. It was just sort of a, a musing about what, how you would approach it. What are you going to do if, if you have to play Shaq? Right. It was a, mul- it was a multiple <laughs> do you chase. you give up or do you, uh, you know, it's like yeah. a sort of philosophical uh, look at it. Well, what I really liked about it is it was a multiple choice comic, and it was like, what do you do against Shaq? And, and, and the final choice on it was, you know, maybe competing against Shaq isn't what you want to do, and maybe you need to find your own path and... and and find something that, that that feels right to you, and it felt like a really like, like you kind of figuring out a personal journey. If if I remember right, there was also like a note at the end asking people to send me suggestions about what to do. Did you get any? <laughs> how did how did you how did you fare against Jack? Oh, it's ongoing. <laughs> Pen, what's some influences that you? Influences. You're asking me what are my favorite movies and music. <laughs> Why not? YouTube poops. <laughs> uh, have have awesome new humor. It's awesome and it's totally brilliant. I think and 
beyond what anyone else is doing. It's totally nuts, and there's funny stuff there um, that I like to analyze. And and sometimes I f uh, one time we talked to Jesse about it. So every now and then they'll peak the audio on something, uh, so that the character, like if it's King of the Hill, Hank will he'll be talking, and then they'll peak the audio, so it's just a <laughs> you know, it just sounds like really intense. And that's fucking cool. <laughs> and you wouldn't normally think to do that. Um, and that's what I like about it. It kind of blows my mind, those, those poops. Y'all know what YouTube poops are? No. no? Sometimes a little bit. Look them up. Just type in YouTube poop. <laughs> type, in, uh, type in King of the Hill YouTube poop. Uh, there's a guy named Durham Rocker Z. <laughs> And I think he makes the best YouTube uh, poops of King of the Hill. But, but Tom's landlord wants us to say that you have to do that in the toilet paper separately. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to open this up to some audience questions, even though I can barely see anyone. People should walk up right there. Yeah, just come right up if you have a question. No one's going no to do it. No, no one has questions? No one? Bueller? Bueller? Don't do that. <laughs> I'm a child of the 80s. Don't Go back to the 90s. Me. Hello. Um, I have a question. I have just a comment for, for Jaime. You're, you are my favorite comics artist. I passed you on the, in, on the way in and actually didn't know what to say, which is very rare. There's some people here who know me. Um, uh, but uh, the Browntown story you did you know, recently is one of the most disturbing and best things you've, you've done. It's a great story. Everybody should read it. It's in the new book, right, that yeah. just came out? It's so actually, today's the launch. Yeah, so go buy it right well, not now, but right afterwards. Um, my question is for you, Brandon. Um, uh, profit, <laughs> profit, is, profit is such an interestingly produced, or was such an interesting produced comic. It seemed like this jam that you got a bunch of your pals together or to do, because it's like you would write a lot of the issues, and then Simon Roy would write some of the issues, and everybody would sort of write some of the issues and then some different people would draw and how was the process that you all worked together how did you d you do it what was it like to wrap it up um Thanks. i think simon simon roy's in the audience somewhere is he he's in the back <laughs> yeah <laughs> smoke weed <laughs> um uh yeah no it, it came about really really accidentally because um because they'd asked me to do a profit comic and I was like, I don't have time, I'm doing my multi warheads book. And then uh, my friend Joe said, oh, just maybe get your friend Simon to draw it. And Simon was about to go do uh, some horrible summer. What, what job were you doing, Simon? Uh, house painting. Yeah, he was supposed to do house <laughs> painting. And Simon's, uh, Simon's like 10 years younger than me, so I basically like called him up with this kind of like, uh, dude, this might be a horrible shit job, but maybe instead of house painting, you want to do this, for, and it could be the same. And this was the second job that I dragged. We did a, a storyboarding gig together that, that I think never came out or only came out in Korea or something. And so this one, I was like, maybe people will see it. And, um, and, and so it was really natural how it happened, where me and Simon would hang out a lot and, and work on it together. And then Simon had to go off to school, and, I, and they expected the book to be monthly. And so I called up other friends of mine and got Farrell Dalrymple involved, who I've known as long as I've known Tom since we were born. And, um, and I got uh, Yanni Malogiannis involved, who's a Greek guy who's, whose name is hard to pronounce. And 
He's actually, we actually, Prophet still has about 10 issues or so because we're doing all these miniseries after it. And we have to finish, um, we have to finish all the series before he has to do his mandatory military service in Greece. So the clock is, the clock is, re which is really interesting in working with international cartoonists. But yeah, it was really, it was really, um, and I started doing layouts at that point, and it became a really natural thing where, because we were working on a deadline, uh, Yanni and Simon and, and Farrell, or Farrell did his own layouts, but I would, I would do all the layouts for the book, like a rough little ugly version of the book, and then pass it around, and that hopefully is how we kind of keep the narrative going. And recently Simon's been doing his own layouts. But it's just, I, I always hated working off the of scripts, so this was a way that, and, and recently I did a comic with Adam Warren where I made him do all the layouts because I can't translate text into pictures very easily, something about the way my brain works. And I know, like like Mal, you write scripts before you... No, but I did that on seconds. I, I did, um, I just wrote like an outline and then I just drew comics from that, which was totally different and I think better, but it took a long time. Hmm. I mean, do you script it all or is it, or is it all thumbnails? <clears throat> I, I start scripting, but then, uh, but then uh, when I start putting it down on the paper, I edit and rewrite and move panels back and forth. Right. And Adventure Time is very much the same kind of animal, right? Where you, it's all pictures from rough text ideas? Visually driven storytelling? Sure. It, it's, a, it's a mix. It's a, well, we usually start with a rough outline with right. sort of the story points. Uh, and then you're either uh, just going right off of that or you can sort of rewrite parts of it or, you know, it's all just a big jumble. We're at the end of... Oh, oh I just wanted to pull the cord. You're a horrible man. Uh, oh, one quick question. Uh, Tom, you talked about this a little bit, but I've, I was wondering, like, when you guys go from one project that you get comfortable with to another project, like, from boarding for someone else to doing your own thing, or, like, Penn from working on Adventure Time to, like, Bravest Warriors, where you're not, you created it, but aren't, you know, writing every... I don't do anything on it. Yeah, so, like, I'm curious how you guys deal with that. Uh, or, like, Brian, when you started working on the, the movie and then going back to seconds, like, how how you guys deal with that, if that's hard for you, that process of like transitioning, you know, roles as the creator or, I mean, that's just sort of part of the creative process, I guess, but. Yeah, it's like really, it's really hard for me to switch gears. I tend to just get locked into one thing. Like I basically only have like one idea at a time and I can only focus on that one thing until it's done. And like, yeah, like when I was working on the Scott Pilgrim movie, I was working on the, the last book at the same time. So that. At least it was like the same universe, but it was still really weird to switch from like movie version to comic version because I would get like the actors' voices in my heads and stuff, and like it would just screw me all up. So um, yeah, I prefer to just like be a complete weird hermit and work on one thing at a time. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, totally. Hermit uh, is way better <laughs> than. Uh, it kind of like takes a hermit to like be a cartoonist. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I like to uh, I like to animate. I uh, uh, that's my hermit thing is just getting to be by myself and getting getting zoned. Don't think about much else other than what the next drawing is. How does this work? You just keep going. It's just fun. It's like a baby blanket. You just it just feels <laughs> comfortable. You just keep 
you know, nothing else matters. It's, it's the like bills. a brain puzzle or like Tetris or something. It's just like, the, just get to the next thing and just keep going. Isn't it amazing that all these indoor hermit kids that, that spent all, that got into this thing because they're didn't, because that was the way they we were scared of the outdoors. Yeah. And now you're in front of an audience with microphones. <laughs> yeah. We're, it's dark out there so we can't really see them. So it's fine. On that note, comics Oh, the finished. comics done. <laughs> <laughs> Come to the signing after and read it. Um, So Brandon and Simon will be signing as well. Jaime will be signing the new Love Bunglers collection, which I hope you all get because it's amazing. It's super good. And if any of you guys feel like sticking around, I don't know, maybe not. Mm, Maybe. maybe. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for coming. I really appreciate this. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun.